thank you for everyone who's attending. Joining me today is Devin Reed. He was the second sales hire at Gong, and he now heads up their content strategy. Uh, he runs a blog for B2B businesses called The Reader, and he's also the host of the Revenue Intelligence Podcast, which was actually one of our inspirations for this masterclass series. Um, I'm really excited to pick your brain today, Devin, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Happy to be here. Awesome. So um, selfishly, this is actually really good timing for us at Sales Whale because we've made the shift to ABM. We've been learning a lot about ABM and inbound marketing strategies, um, which both kind of heavily revolve around content, right? So to start off, you're a former sales guy who moved into content. What, what drew you to content? Ooh, good question. So I am a English literature major, and I was actually going to school to be a teacher. So I've spent mm -hmm. a lot of time writing and, and writing was always kind of like the thing I liked to do. I thought it was a good hobby and I was always curious if I could make a living out of it. You know? And then of course, like, I mean, that was only what, 10 years ago, -ish, since I've not even since I graduated college and content has changed so much, right? Where it went from, you know, only a select few people are creating content to now everybody is creating content. And there's almost like too much of it. So I always just thought it was interesting to get into content and figure out the different levers, right? Like you can write a blog, but you can also write a video script uh, and you can you know, write a podcast. So really just starting to leverage that uh, skill and see how I can kind of make a big impact on the business. Awesome. So um, for us, when I think of content, it sort of sits at the intersection of sales and marketing, right? Um, so I think that their background probably helps you there, but how much does that influence your decision-making on the content side of things? Do you ever feel like you're pulled in multiple directions? I would say I am pulled in multiple directions, but it's mostly still like within marketing, right? Because we do have a bunch of different channels. We have a lot of initiatives going on. Uh, we're a yeah. fast growing company. Um, we were, you know, hyper growth before COVID and still growing now. Um, so I think focus is part of it, but I think sales has taught me a lot of things, which the biggest thing I felt is like one, keeping a pipeline. So whether you're, you've got new deals, you know, mid stage and late, uh, late stage, or if you have a content pipeline of, you know, conceptualizing, you know, production and then kind of like analysis of, of how things worked. That's still similar. Um, and then just operating with urgency. Like that is something like just get things done as quickly as possible without rushing. So I wouldn't say like, you know, being stretched in a bad way, but definitely some overlap in the skill set. For sure. Um, and I think a lot of companies, and this sort of includes us here, lack a clear content strategy right? We're just sort of producing all of this different content that we think is cool, but um, we're starting to learn that we should have more of a focus there. So like, why is a content strategy so important for a company um, to, to iron out? Yeah, I, you're not alone, by the way. Like, I know I, I'm happy I'm here on the masterclass. I still feel like it's something I can get better at, right? It's like being yeah. more precise. And um, so, yeah, so I would say it's important because it serves multiple benefits, right? So like for us, it's category creation. Um, we're, we're evangelizing revenue intelligence. And so content plays a role in that, right? You have to educate the market of what revenue intelligence is, why you should care about it. And of course, place ourselves as the first choice, you know, when, once you realize that it's something for you. But it also has an impact on, you know, general brand growth, right? Things like social media and people getting a feel for what we are like. Uh, and then also has a touch on demand gen, right? Getting leads in the funnel. And then depending on how content works at, you know, your specific company, it could also be customer marketing. It could be uh, post sales and like customer education. So it has a lot of impact on the business. And so what you want to do is have a precise and a concise 
um, message that you're consistently telling people. And then you're telling them in different ways based on persona, different problems, and then different avenues based on the channels that you're using. Interesting. So is there sort of a process behind all of this or is it dependent on your vertical? Like what, what's your strategy process? Yeah. So it starts with like one, like what's the overall narrative we're telling this year. So it's usually like beginning of the year planning. Um, okay. And again, so that's it's category creation. Now within that we have pillars and in March we released a new product, which is our big differentiator, uh, which is deal intelligence. So now we're saying, okay, revenue intelligence and the concept of revenue intelligence is using opinions, excuse me, using data instead of opinions to make business decisions. It helps you be more effective. So even if you're not necessarily saying that explicitly, some of the content we create will be data-backed blog posts, right? So we're specifically embodying that concept with the different types of content that we're putting out there. So we're starting there. The next thing is like, okay, if deal intelligence is part of the product and, you know, kind of a subset and a differentiator. Can we also loop that into the content as well? When we're talking about, you know, for anyone that follows like Gong Labs, which is our research post, I'll, I'll probably mention a couple more times is, you know, deal specific things. We are bringing macro trends to the market and shining a light on a more effective way that deal execution can be done. Right. Interesting. And so that's, that's kind of part of it. And then of course there are still times where you kind of have to go outside of your strategy a little bit because you have a demand gen need and you have this ever, you know, evergreen piece of content. Maybe it doesn't perfectly fit into that strategy, but you need to, you know, we've got some numbers we need to hit. So it's a, it's a balance. And like, I haven't talked to anyone who's like perfectly aligned in every way, shape or form every week, every quarter. Um, I've viewed it as something that you kind of stretch and grow into and you just get better over time. That's awesome. It seems like there's sort of a creative element to this as well, which um, you obviously mm -hmm. have nailed down. So what would you say is the most difficult part of building a new content strategy? Like for a company who's watching this and going, we need a content strategy, like what should they be prepared for? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one is going to be focus um, and something that Dave Peterson in the book, Play Bigger, uh, which is all about category creation. They're, they're awesome. I love their style. If you, if you haven't read the book, uh, he calls it gravity. Now, gravity is going to be something, it's kind of specific for the category design, but I've found that when you have a content strategy, it's the same thing. And so gravity is the natural pull to do what is safe and to do what you know will work. So for example, if you're, you know, you, you might be like, hey, we're going to make this manifesto or this high level thought leadership piece, um, but we're probably not going to get a bunch of downloads, probably not going to get a bunch of demo requests because you're just educating the market. You might have some internal feedback or, or kind of like conflict, right? Of people being like, well, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. Or this isn't going to have an immediate traceable um, impact on the business. And that's just one example. You'll get a bunch of, a bunch of different ones too. But the overall thing is the, the challenge is getting like, I think, internal alignment and, and focus, like making sure that you're not moving away from that, you know, strategic narrative or whatever that narrative is for your company. You know, it's really easy at January to be, hitting it hard, you're, you know, you're fresh, you're excited. And then mid, you know, mid February comes around and then it's end of the quarter in March and people need leads or people need this and that. And so it's easy to kind of start to stray slowly and slowly away from that. Um, and then the other one I think is just like repurposing content so that, you know, you're not making that big high level thought leadership. It's sitting, sitting on the shelf for a week or two and then people forget about it, but being able to effectively repurpose those things. Right. So can you start with this new Forrester report and then can you break that down into social posts? Can you break those down into more consumable, snackable um, piece of content like blogs? Can you make videos out of it? Can you make webinars out of it? The goal and what I'm trying to strive for is get one big home run piece of content, a meaty thing, and then break that down into other 
uh, channels. So it should be able to feed the content engine for weeks, months, maybe even across the whole year if it's evergreen. Yeah, I like that. That's something we've been focusing on is sort of that micro content strategy. Like I'm sure we'll just dice this up here into a bunch of one minute clips yeah. And, and, yeah. and let that run for a while. Um, but, but speaking of kind of your strategy, Gong absolutely dominates the revenue intelligence space, if you will, in terms of content. Um, in fact, I, I feel like Gong sort of made the term revenue intelligence meaningful, or at least like brought mm -hmm. it to the mainstream. Um, Cause I just associate revenue intelligence with Gong having used it so much. So what do you think has made your content so successful? Like how have you guys dominated that marketplace and how do you stand out from all the other noise that you mentioned? Yeah, well, thank you for one, just validated uh, months of work by telling me that you know revenue intelligence <laughs> exists and Gong is part of it, so thank you. I need everyone in, in you know, our, our market to, to feel the same and then that's all I know my job yeah. is done. But um, yeah, I think really what it comes down to is the quality of the content, right? So it's, and quality is, is subjective, right? I've got people that, you know, you, you tell me you love my content, I'll get someone who says my content sucks. Happens once in a while, so like, what, yeah. what is, what does that mean? So the formula that I follow and that we followed since day one is high level be different. Uh, different is better than better. So for example, we're not trying to make, you know, the top 10 sales tips that you've ever heard before. And they're all things you've Googled or HubSpot has already written. Right. You, it, that's, you're trying to be better, but you're not really being different. Our different is, is that we have data backed research. So we use our product um, uh, data so like things our product users are doing, we analyze that and we find trends and behaviors and start to educate the market and say, hey, here's what we're finding, right? We found that you know, being more patient on a discovery call or talking less on a discovery call has higher success rates. We were the first ones to do that. That was really interesting for people a couple of years ago. No one had ever even considered that. Yeah. Or if they had, they couldn't see it on paper, right? Everyone knows, you know, salespeople should listen. They shouldn't talk. But now we had a, like a definitive graph to show you, hey, we analyzed I don't know, 100,000 calls, 500,000 calls. And so people started coming to us as like this authoritative, um, you know, content channel because you can't get that anywhere else. Nowhere else on the internet can you find these things. And so, of course, we also market ourselves as that. We're the best, I think we're the best sales blog on the planet because we're the only sales back blog on the planet. And so we have some authoritative there. So um, I think that's been really uh, impactful is different, not uh, better. And then the other thing is kind of like a three-piece formula. So one is this content relevant. Is this something, is this a problem or a topic that your audience cares about today? Is it insightful? Is this in something that, like I said, it could be data backed. It could be unique, a unique storyline or perspective that no one has really considered before. And the way that I gauge uh, insight is your eyebrows have to raise or go down, right? So if you read something interesting, you're like, oh, oh, that's cool. I didn't, I hadn't thought of that. Or maybe you're reading something and you're like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I don't know if like, what do I think about that? But like, you can see, like, if that doesn't happen during some piece of our content, then I know where it's like flat. It hasn't hit home quite yet. Um, so that's the other one. Uh, and the other one is, and this is probably, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's very important is immediately actionable. So don't just give someone guruism of like high level things. People could do this, should do that. And then kind of like sign off. You got to give people a really actionable next step take this. Here's exactly how you can use it. Here's a template you can download. Here's a checklist you can keep on your desk. Here's a playbook you can share with your team. And so that way people are getting new information, but then they can, they feel that like they can take that information and actually apply it to their job so that they're improving. And then they want to associate with you more because you're helping them do better at their job. I love that. 
And, and when you're creating a piece of content outside of the whole strategy discussion, right? Is, is there something that you keep in the back of your mind, like one thing or one pillar that you, you kind of judge that piece of content against? Um, not really. I would just say is, you know, I look at every piece of content as like, this could be the last time someone looks at the content if it's boring. <laughs> uh, I tell myself all the time, the, my last marketing touch could be my last marketing touch. You know what I mean? You're only really allowed one bad email, you know, not a bad email, but you know, some emails you're like, ah, it's not that good. I mean, you do two or three in a row and you get unsubscribed or people just start not thinking about, you know, taking you seriously. Um, and I try to do that with like the blog posts, the video. I want it to be so good. People want to share it. I want it to be so good that people are like willing to pay for it. They don't have to, it's free content, but they would be like, they leave and they're like, I would have paid 10 bucks for that course or that video. You know what I mean? So it's really just holding ourselves to a really high bar. Um, and thinking like, Hey, has, has this been done before? Uh, and if so, like are we at least putting a unique spin on it? Sure. So one thing that uh, we hear from a lot of companies is I don't have enough time to create all this content. Right. And that's something that we've obviously run into here. We're a smaller company. Um, so how do you prioritize like which content you, we've talked about all the different channels and all the different effects that content has on the business. Like how do you personally prioritize which content to go after? Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a tough, um, it's a tough battle to be honest. And so, you know, we have a, you know, you have a weekly podcast, you need to give that, uh, you know, attention and you have a, a monthly blog series, you need to give that attention. And so it's like, there's like kind of things that are like, again, that's kind of like gravity time-based things to me are gravity. Um, so in terms of prioritizing is, you know, going back to like, what are we trying to accomplish this quarter? Like, what does the marketing team need to do to get, to help mark, uh, to hit the sales teams, excuse me, to help the sales teams so they can hit their number. Now, that could be a segment-based conversation. You know, maybe SMB is doing really well and enterprises is down 20% or they're not tracking, just an example. Um, so then it's like, okay, let's look at the numbers and see which personas, like look at all of our content, what personas are downloading it? What, uh, how is it converting up and down markets? We can understand, basically start to triangulate, you know, a piece of content. Like, should we make a blog? Should we make a video series? How should we position that? So that's how we prioritize it. It has to hit a number at the end of the day. The other, the other fun thing is like, the fun part is like what the messaging is and like the creation of that. But like you have to start at that strategic level to make sure that, you know, you don't have 150% of your MQLs in one segment, but then another one is starving. So I, I just start that way and then I kind of reverse engineer. Cool. It's a lot like sales. Everything's sort of numbers driven. You can work backwards and, and, and find the problem pretty easy. For um, better or for worse, yes. That is how I treat, <laughs> treat our content team. Is like we are essentially in the sales game. We just create content instead of, you know, instead of calls. Sure. Um, so I know I've learned a lot so far hosting this masterclass series last week was, was awesome for me. Um, your revenue intelligence podcast has a lot of really smart, accomplished people on it. I've been watching them kind of back to back to back in preparation for this. What was one of your favorite episodes and, and what did you learn from that episode? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, uh, well, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm glad you, yeah. you enjoyed it. Um, there's a few, every episode kind of teaches me something a little different. So I think the first thing I learned doing it in like the first 10 weeks, and, and these are like people highly successful, like they're all like probably all millionaires, like multimillionaires. We just agree to that. Like, no, we don't talk about money, but I think like, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I've got six year career under me. I'm, I'm, you know, pretty, pretty young in my career. And you know, first 10 weeks were intimidating. Like it's tough to step into like these, and we were in the same room at the time and like, you know, hold your own and be confident knowing like I have so much to learn. But I think that's what I learned was that I'm actually going to learn a lot during this process. And I learned how to be a better interviewer. I learned, I'm still learning how to surface better responses out of people. 
which kind of goes back to my sales days and discovery. Like it, it really is a discovery uh, conversation. You're just kind of directing it differently. My favorite episode though was uh, Andrew Sykes probably. Um, so he's not even a, a, your kind of like typical SaaS sales leader. He runs a company called, uh, I think it's Habits at Work or work, Working Habits. Forgive me, Andrew, for not remembering off the top of my head. Um, but the thing I learned was there's a stark difference between experience and practice. Now, a lot of times people want to improve. And so they think, hey, if I'm just in my role for two, three years, I will become highly skilled. But he was like, I think we all know some, you know, we all know people in the professional world that have been in their role for very long and, or, you know, for a while and they're not, not very good, right? They're okay. And the best people, uh, and he kind of coaches around this, is like they dedicate time to practice their craft outside of working hours. And so that's something that really just resonated with me because I think even myself, I'm like, oh, I'm creating content all the time. I'm creating so many different types of content, but you ha I have to dedicate time outside of that to really review it and really like, you know, coach myself objectively and say, hey, how can I get better? And then actually like practice those things, whether it's writing better discovery questions for the podcast or, you know, finding unique angles and, and just practicing writing for the blog and, and, and so on and so forth. That's awesome. That's actually something I learned a long time ago in my sales career. It's like sales isn't exactly nine to five. I think everybody knows that. But at yeah. the end of the day, just because I'm working outside of those hours doesn't really mean that I'm learning anything. And so um, yeah. that's what my first introduction to any sort of content was a lot of that sales stuff. It's like, how do I learn the strategy? What techniques are working? And obviously Gong's content has been really helpful for that. So um, what do you think is the biggest content fail that you've seen a company do? Oh, man, that's content fail. I, I know my biggest fail. Cause I've, <laughs> I've, I've I know that, that's what came to my mind really quickly was like the one that hangs with me. I think, um, man, let me think for a second. The biggest fail. I usually think of the other way of things I like. I think the biggest fail isn't really like a specific campaign that's I've seen, um, someone do. The only thing that comes to mind was, uh, Nah, I don't want to throw anyone's name on the bus. That's messed up. Um, the only thing I think is a fail currently is people that aren't using LinkedIn to share their content in an organic, as an organic channel. So like a lot of people, like you look at their company page and the last update was like five months ago. And so it's like, I think that's a miss because I think you can get a lot of reach through your company page. And I think also that you can use the, it's like evangelist play, which is picking a few people at your company, whether they're VPs or SDRs and really using their following and building their following by also kind of implementing some of their, the content, right? So you can use it as like a publication channel. I do it all the time. And we see like hundreds of thousands of views and likes, or not, not hundreds of thousands of likes, but like hundreds of thousands of views, thousands of likes, not just through myself, but through the Gong channel and through some of our like thought leaders, because we arm them and just enable them to share our content, but also just to share their own and build their own brand. And so I think a lot of companies are missing out on that because their audience is on LinkedIn, but they're not really publishing on LinkedIn. They're like really worried about like site visits. Yeah, that's, we've started to see success from that too. So that's, that's huge for us. Um, all right, one, one last question for you and then I'll, I'll let sure. you go. Um, what advice do you have for someone, sales guy or whoever, who has a passion for content, but maybe isn't in that space quite yet? Like a younger version of you, what advice would you give them? My, my, if I was going to go give myself the same advice, um, I would say make the leap sooner. So don't wait for the perfect timing, but also prep for it. So what I did was, um, actually the same time I started Gong, I was also looking at like sales enablement roles, maybe marketing jobs, thinking about the pivot. Um, but I was really nervous because I knew sales really well. And I was, I was nervous to let something go and take the risk for something else. 
So what I did was I started the reader, which is just me freelancing. And so I went around and I tried to find clients and just would anyone hire me to create content for them? And once they did and people started paying me money, I realized, oh, this is like, I must be like at least kind of good. People are paying me to do this. So I must have something. And it also tested my abilities and my commitment to it because I'm still working a full-time job and then I'm you know, freelancing on the side nights and weekends. And the reason I think that's really important is it builds up a portfolio because it's really tough to go from sales into marketing or to just say, hey, I, I'm, I'm great at you know, maybe product marketing, but I want to move into demand gen. And maybe that's like a different muscle or you know, what have you. And so what I did was just build out that portfolio and experience. And then I also built out a um, program at Gong, which was a LinkedIn live show. Again, while still in sales, I went to the CMO pitched a podcast, ended up with a live LinkedIn video show. Um, but I ran with it, right? And so like after like 10, 15 weeks, our CMO realized like, hey, I have the skills to build this out. I have the commitment to make it work. And so then when I went to him and asked like for the position, you know, because it was open, it was a much easier, shorter conversation because I had already proved like, hey, for the last 18 months, I'm doing this on my own. Last six months, I've been doing this with you. So it kind of is like um you know, kind of building job experience on the fly instead of just expecting someone to like love your resume and maybe uh, hire you. Yeah, I think that's awesome advice just in general, right? If you prove you can handle the projects in your current role, it's sort of a no-brainer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that wraps up today's masterclass, everyone. Devin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been yeah, awesome and I'm going to rewatch it. I took about a page of notes here. Um, <laughs> ugly notes that I didn't really look down at. But um, anyways, everyone else who attended, thank you for your time today. Please keep an eye out. We've got some more awesome masterclasses coming uh, starting tomorrow with Megan Eisenberg. So uh, thanks everyone. And thank you, Devin, again. Absolutely, man. Catch you later. All right. Take care. Bye.